You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, Happy New Year and welcome to the first Garibaldi Red of 2023 as we look back on Nottingham Forest. 1-1 draw against Chelsea and ahead to Wednesday's game at Southampton. A very big one's preview indeed. Uh, to do that, joining me first of all uh, back with us is Michael Temple. Temps, hello, how are you doing? Good, thanks, Matt. Good man, good man. Happy New Year to you and Happy New Year, Mikey Clark. How are you? I'm great, thanks, Matt. How are you? Yes, not too bad. Not too bad. A very enjoyable game yesterday, I thought. Uh, just overall for you, Temps as well, what did you make of it? I think it took us 45 minutes to work out that we were giving Chelsea far more respect than they deserved. I think they were quite an ordinary side in the end, weren't they? But we uh, we, we camped uh, in our own third. We allowed them to have the ball. They did very little with it. Changed the point of attack. Everything through Thiago Silva at no kind of pace and, and didn't really threaten. I think if we're if we're being kind, the halftime team talk was probably something along the lines of, "Okay, game plan's gone okay. Now it's time to go up a gear and try and force the issue." And for that first twenty five minutes in the second half, we looked like an absolutely different side. Just from that change of mindset, we were busy. We were at them. Uh, we looked like the only team that was going to score at that point. And it, indeed, we indeed we did. So yeah, I think if we made a mistake, it was it was giving Forest uh, sorry giving Chelsea too much respect in the first half because when it clicked in the second half. It was really, really promising, and we got the got the reward for it. Mikey, what, what was your mindset coming out of the ground? Yeah, um, hard to disagree with any of that. I thought it was a bit of a cliche game of two halves. I agree with Temps, just too much respect first half, backing off into our own half. I understand that was the game plan. Their team on paper is scary. When I looked at it in the pub before, I thought, wow, we'll do well to take anything from this game. But as the game progressed, certainly into the... Uh, early stages of the second half, we were by far the better team on the front foot, pressing higher up the pitch. Um, I thought our energy and our endeavour was excellent, probably the best I've seen it all season. And to be honest, I was, of course, happy with the point, um, but I felt we could have got all three. I thought we were a better team, certainly in the second half. And um, it bodes well for the rest of the season. There's some massive games coming up, massive games. And if we can perform to that standard and that level, I don't see why we can't, you know, there's a lot of points here up for grabs. Absolutely. Would you both have taken a point from these two games, Man you away, Chelsea at home? I think I would, to be honest. Would you both have done that, Temps, first of all? Yeah, I think we'll reflect on yesterday as an opportunity missed because I think if, if we'd have um, pressed in two thirds rather than one from the off yesterday, we'd have had more of the ball. We'd have had more of a chance to get in behind them in the, in the, in the first half. So, with hindsight, I think we probably dropped two points yesterday. But yeah, going into the Man U and Chelsea games, I think we always knew that this run that's to come now in, in January will be make or break for us. So a point well earned yesterday. Um, we've already spoken about Man U and yeah, it was, it was always going to be tough to, to get anything from Old Trafford. So decent return. But I think all things considered, Forest fans will feel we've dropped a couple of points yesterday because of how promising that second half performance was. I guess, Mikey, it's a good thing to say you dropped two points against Chelsea. I don't necessarily disagree with what Temp says, but, you know, to come away from the City ground feeling like two points were potentially dropped is, is a good thing in a way, given Chelsea's calibre and reputation, isn't it? Yeah, like I said, their team's scary on paper. I, I had an interesting debate with my mate James, who I was sat with yesterday at half-time, and he was saying, and I'm still not convinced, he was saying that this is how you have to set up against a top six. 
you have to back off, you have to be compact. And I think my point of view was, well, if we do that, we're going to lose because we're one nil down. We need to get on the front foot. And I think you saw that in the second half. Like I said, pressing higher up the pitch, far more energy. So I'm not going to lie. <clears throat> a point is a great result. Anything you can get from those sort of top six, seven clubs is always going to be a bonus. And I'm not going to be hypocritical and say I wouldn't have accepted a point before the game because I would. But the way that second half panned out is almost like the blueprint for me in terms of how we should be playing at home. Of course, you've got to give them respect and there will be times when we have to drop off and manage the game. But I just think we need to start games the way we started that second half and just have no fear. And if you lose, you lose because we kind of expected to lose anyway. But it just shows you what can be done with a bit of positivity, a bit of front foot football. That's hard to say on a, on a Monday morning. Um, and it, I was just really pleased with the way they played second half. I thought the crowd was excellent as well. And, you know, another 10, 15 minutes, we might have nicked that game. But no, I'm happy with the point. I'm not going to lie. And Mikey, just to add to that point about how you set up against a top six side, fair play. But they didn't offer a top six threat. And to convert 72% possession into seven shots where the wide men were pretty blunt, the back line were just passing it side to side, trying to change the point of attack without ever really going forward with pace. We, 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 didn't, we didn't react and respond to that. And that's where the opportunity was missed in the first half. If we'd have forced the issue, the, the, the team that was selected was so dominant when they were breaking at pace, when they were enjoying that uh, more ball in the second half and they are putting them under any kind of pressure. I just wish we'd have realised uh, earlier in the game that they were offering a mid-table threat rather than an elite-level threat. And they looked, they looked lost at times. And I think whoever's in the chair doing the Chelsea analysis now will have a, a pretty long face on trying to work out how they're going to get out of this streak they're on at the minute. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, th I think the um, I think our midfield, that's the first time in that second half I really saw us start to dominate. And yes, we only had 30% possession. I understand that. But that's kind of the way we always play. We set up, we're quick on the transition. But I thought Yates, Froiler and Mangala for those 75 minutes he was on, I thought that's probably the best they've played, those three together, if I'm honest. I suppose I think I view I think I view the first half slightly differently to people in the comments generally. I thought my my gripe at Old Trafford was I didn't see a tactical plan that could work. And I think against Chelsea there sort of was one. I think you invite them on and then you go and then you break. And Forrest did that a couple of times with a one year and we'll come on to him, we'll come on to individuals and that kind of work. And I think the worry that Cooper probably has if if you go hell for leather and press from the off, Chelsea are good enough to pass through you and then they're in on you, and you could be 2-0 down after 20 minutes and it's game over, which is probably a negative way to look at it. But I kind of thought that was the thinking. Um, and I thought Forrest were unlucky to be behind. I mean, if we look at the, the goal, is it a freak goal, Temps? Is there anything more Forrest can do about it in terms of how they react to the ball coming off the bar, or you just have to take that one on the chin? Watching it in real time, I thought Havertz had been quite clever and tried yeah. to, to, to loop it over the over the keeper. But seeing the, the replay in the... In the law and afterwards, it was pretty clear that it was uh, off volley. So, yeah, it was a freak goal. Could anybody have reacted more quickly uh, when the ball was 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 in the air? Uh, I don't think Sterling reacted particularly quickly. He he just anticipated where it was going to drop and was right place at the right time. If you're splitting hairs, Hendo perhaps was a little bit flat-footed. Uh, Lodi made himself really small, didn't he? He was desperate not to give a penalty away, so he had his hands behind his back. Could he have got a yard closer to Sterling. But I think all things considered, it wasn't a chance that Chelsea created really. It was a freak flick off Bolly's back leg and he had a decent game. Um, came then off the crossbar and Sterling kind of 
mishit it, almost half caught the ball in it, and it and it went in. So freak occurrence, and, and not too much point in analysing that one. No, I think it was one of the few. It came from one of the few times Aurier really bombed on in that first twenty minutes, and Chelsea did counter on them. But I don't think there was much they could do about it. Mikey, I want to talk to you about Brennan Johnson and that chance because we disagreed about it last night in our WhatsApp group. I don't know if you've seen it back and changed your opinion. What's your what's your take on that 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 chance and Brennan in general in that game? I have seen it back and I haven't changed my opinion. So, <laughs> um, so I think I love Brennan Johnson, don't get me wrong. I think he's 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 probably our highest asset in terms of levels he can get to it he'll be playing for a top six side in a few years time I've got no doubt about that um I think in the championship Brennan used to have those chances two or three times a game and he'd miss one and take the other and we'll find about it. in the Premier League you only really get that once maybe twice a game and when you throw one goal against Chelsea I just think you have to take it and I'm not digging Brennan out because I don't do that but I just think it's few and far between the chances you get against some of these Premier League sides and we've got to be more clinical and if that chance comes on Wednesday against Southampton I'll still back Brennan to nail it I just think I said at the time and I'm not going to lie I said at the time um, we're going to live to regret that because I didn't think we'd get any more and then the second half he's through again and I'm thinking do you square it do you square it and I think his sort of second or first touch made him forced to have the shot then because I think he took it too wide but I think the point I'm trying to say is we we create only a few chances a game and, and that's just a Premier League game. You know, I've, I've watched a lot of Premier League football since I've been here over Christmas and you get one, two, three chances a game and you have to be clinical. So, like I said, I'm not digging Brennan out. I just, I just think those things have come back and haunt them. And, you know, going forward in games when he gets that opportunity again, him or Surridge or Ty, where we've got to take him. You know, if we get that on Wednesday, we have to go one nil up. It, it just I'm I'm just being ultra critical. There's always things we can improve. Brennan's a young player and he's only going to get better. But in the Premier League, you have got to be clinical. You've got to be. Otherwise, you, you go one nil down. And when Sterling hit that shot in, I, I said to my friend, "There you go. You know, you've got to take your chances." And luckily, we were brilliant second half and we came back in the game and thoroughly deserved a point. But as the season goes on, if we get those chances, Matt, we've got to take them. We've got it. So I'll come to Temps in a minute. I didn't think that chance was as good a chance as you do. I think if you look at it, Gibbs, I mean, I've had the benefit of watching it three or four times on the highlights for us to speak. Gibbs White through ball. Johnson's running where he's got to take it on his left foot or it's an incredible touch. And Kukurea's, I think Kukurea's done well. And I think Kepa's done well and taken up a good position. And Brennan hits it. And I don't think, I don't think it's a clear one-on-one. And I think he's hit the target and worked the keeper on his weaker foot. Maybe he tries to check back and see if there's anything else on and, you know, look to square it. And we'll come on to squaring the ball in a minute. But I don't think it's as as, as bad as you. Uh, Temps, just on general in Brennan that game, and we'll come on to the second chance. Are you more with me or more with Mikey? Feel free to say whatever you want. Well, look, just to wind it a little bit, Brennan's production is not quite there in terms of goals and assists. We were treated last year to seeing him, uh, yeah, it's fair to say, dominate the championship with his with his production he was uh, he carried a threat every week he turned that into into to goals and assists um he's not doing that at the minute this year so that you move the debate again on should he come out of the side or is he doing enough in terms of the threat that he offers to suggest that he's going to turn a corner and start slotting goals and and laying in his teammates they were half chances 
because of the quality of the defending. And certainly with Thiago Silva's positioning in the second half, he kind of checked his own run to take up the perfect position to have him make a 50-50 call between shooting and squaring the ball at a point where neither was the perfect option. He was relatively wide. Um, Silva was in the right spot and Awani uh, didn't, didn't quite get to the point where, where, the, where the square pass would have been the answer. I agree, Cucurella in the first half did enough to um, impact what he, was, what he was trying to do. To win Forest fans over, he needs production rather than threat. He needs goals and assists because I think if, if they're the chances that he missed and in the same game he's, he has squared one or he's, or he's bagged one, it's a very different conversation. There's no other player who could occupy that right side of position for me and carry quite the same threat as Brennan Johnson at this at this moment in time. That might change as the season progresses. He certainly can't go on um, for, for 10 more games without scoring or assisting goals. But for me, he's still worthy of that, that, space, uh, that place because he's our biggest threat in behind. He's a very young player who's developing at pace, all the things we've said before. He'll have been disappointed not to score yesterday. But for me, they were both half chances because of the quality of the opposition he was playing against. So the second one for me, I think he should have squared it, but it's a millimetre precise ball because of Silver's position, as you say. And I think when he's got one or two goals this season, the easier option is to shoot. And I think a fully confident flying Brennan Johnson probably tries to square it. And maybe in a year's time, if we're still in the Premier League, touch wood, he probably does try and square it. But I think you have to give Silver a lot of credit. And I think he was the best centre-half performance I've seen for a long time. And we can debate whether Forrest should have pressed him more and made it harder for him. But I thought he was brilliant on the day. So, Mikey, just to finish on, give your take on that second Brennan chance, because you think he should have done better. Yeah, probably. I think I think just for both, it, it's just those fine small margins, isn't it? And and like you said, Matt, I think if we're still in the Premier League next season, he, he, with a few more games, he probably does make the right decision. I think the point I'm trying to make is, you know, we're a new team in this league. We've not been in it for two decades. You're only going to get a few chances a game. You've got to be clinical. So whether that's Brennan or whoever, and you can debate around, is it, was he a little bit to the right? Was he a little bit to the left? Should he have squared it? Whatever happens, you've got you've got to find a way of tucking that ball in. And can I say one more thing as well? I know our knee got man of the match yesterday, but I really don't like him on the left hand side. I know we can possibly debate this, but I just think you've got eighteen million pounds worth of striker. If you see what he did for Union Berlin with his back to goal running forward, I just don't like him on the left. And I understand trying to get Gibbs White in the centre, and Gibbs White was brilliant yesterday. Great having him back, by the way. I don't think anybody saw that. I think the general consensus is he was out for a few more weeks. So whatever they've done in the treatment room is fantastic. Um but I just like to see Awani through the centre. Um he's got pace and power. So I can kind of understand him cutting him from the left. But you know you pay all that money for a centre forward, stick him stick him in the middle. But I'm sure that's probably a different debate that we can have. I know we'll have it we'll, yeah, let's have it. Um I mean one more point on Brennan I just wanted to make. Mm. I thought his defensive work was better yesterday. He got back and he supported uh, Aurier's second half. Forrest had more problems defending the left-hand side than the right-hand side. I thought Brennan worked back quite well and did a solid job when he has deserved criticism for his defensive work. And I'm not saying he's brilliant, but I think he made progress in that area. Um, Awanyi, I mean, I agree in principle. I'd much rather see him in the centre. But in this game, 
temps. I thought it worked quite well. You had Kubrick Kulibai on toast trying to run that channel between them. And I think I don't think they wanted him up against Thiago Silva because he's just too smart for a one year and every other striker that we've got. So to play on Kulibai and give him those troubles, I, I didn't mind it this game, but I agree with Mikey in principle that I'd rather see him down the middle long term. What about you? One you won his physical battle yesterday and Cooley Bally had a bit of a torrid time. I thought he looked he looked very ordinary, didn't he? Because Tybo was active, was powerful, was getting on the ball. He he found his touch again, rewind to the Man U game, found himself up against Aaron Wambizaka. And I was I was quite shocked how physically dominant Wambizaka was in that particular matchup. I was surprised, in fact, they didn't flip him to the to the right side against Man U and, and let him have a, a look at a lighter weight fullback. Now, to explain why he's playing Awani on the left, we have to look at what he wants to do with Gibbs-White. So, shocked as all he was back in the side yesterday and he played him as a false nine. So, trying to occupy uh, a, a central defender, but actually when in the break, dropping in quite deep to try and get on the ball earlier in the attack and be the one that dribbles, drives at them, finds the pass, brings others in, has a shot from the edge of the area, which he did superbly well. For that system to work, playing Gibbs-White as a false nine... You have to create space by playing the other strikers in off the left, in off the right, as we did with um, Johnson and, and Awani yesterday. But he can play off the left if he's going to win the physical battle, affect long aerial balls, bring others to play into play, hold it up, make the runs, as he did yesterday. However, the performance against Man United was ineffective because he, he, he didn't do those things. So we saw the, the best of um, Tawa yesterday in a physical sense. He was better on the ball. He carried far more of a threat. But if we had have put him as an out-and-out nine, it would have stifled what Gibbs-White was doing in that role that he was, he was briefed to do. So in isolation, where's his best position? Where does he want to play? Yeah, he, want, he wants to be right at the top of it, doesn't he? He wants to be playing through the centre as an out-and-out nine. But that would have countered what we found to be a really effective tactic yesterday with Morgan Gibbs-White. He's a funny player, isn't he, Mikey Awanyi? Because I, I, you just don't know what you're going to get from him so much for me. There's games where, like Arsenal away, he 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 was the, he was dominated by Gabriel or Saliba or whoever it was. And then this game and against was it West Ham and Liverpool, he gives players a torrid time. I think that's why Cooper, to me, doesn't fully trust him and he hooks him after 60 minutes a lot. It was noticeable that he gave him the extra... 15 minutes he run himself into the ground. Do you think it's kind of those performances we saw yesterday that will earn the trust of the manager, even if he didn't get the goal yesterday? Yeah, nicely said. I, I, I agree with all of that. I think it's, you know, he's he's learning about this league just as the players are, just as the coaching staff is, just as, you know, some of the fans have never seen us play Premier League football. So we're learning as we go through it. And I think Awani is, is symptomatic of that. So he's going to have games where... He bullies the defender like yesterday and he runs the channels and he looks big and he looks strong. And you're thinking that's why we paid the money. Look at him hold that ball up, look at him run the channel and push those defenders back. But he's also going to have games where he gets bullied and is anonymous and he gets pulled after 60 minutes. So um, there's definitely a player in there and, a lot, and, and I personally like him. I think he's, he's going to be good for us. I think he signed a long-term deal when he joined. So they obviously see him as a bit of a, a, a project, a player that can grow and get better. Um, I do think in this January window, though, we, we do need another option up top. I think that goes without saying, and I'd be surprised if anybody on the comments disagrees with that. But I think Taiwo can be a real key factor um, in the next few games, certainly, just because of his, of his presence and his power. So whether we play him on the left 
and it is horses for courses, as you were saying, Matt, absolutely. But with the games coming up, I'd love to see him up top because I think there's central defenders there that he can bully and, and create space for a, a Gibbs White or a, a, a Johnson to try and get him behind. So um, he's, I don't think he's going to start every single game. And I certainly don't think he's going to play up front, unfortunately. Um, but I think he's going to make a big contribution. And every time I see him, I, I, you know, I like it. I think there's definitely a player in there. You don't score 15, 16 goals in the Bundesliga if you're rubbish. You know, and, and it is taking a bit of time. But you saw yesterday in patches, certainly in the second half, he's a beast. You know, he's somebody that we can build off. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really positive about him. I think he needs a run of games, show a bit of confidence in him. Um, and, and take it from there. But yeah, I'm, I was really pleased with what I saw from him and pretty much all the team yesterday. Gibbs White makes such a difference to me, doesn't he? Attempts the way... I don't think Forrest are as dynamic as they are... <coughs> excuse me. Still got a bit of a cough. Uh, as dynamic as they are in that game without Gibbs White feeding the ball. And obviously he had that great shot, which was really unlucky. I think he takes Forrest up a notch that... I don't think Lingard's done it yet, and I don't think Dennis has done it yet. Lingard's done well with Gibbs White, but when you put Lingard solo, he hasn't done it. Whereas Gibbs White has produced those individual performances, and, and he did it again. I really, they need to be fit for Southampton, don't they? Really now? Exactly right. I mean, we were all delighted when we saw that team news. Uh, my information was that he had a calf knock and was was probably a, another week week away. So yeah, beaming when I saw that he was he was back in there and he seemed in no way limited either. He was in, in amongst it um, from the off. He just moves the ball so quickly, draws defenders because he makes very direct runs. But when he finds himself um, in very little space, he finds a way out. He's always confident having the ball, even if he plays a wall pass and shifts the defenders around. I just think he's really active. His uh, vision is incredible. If he scores that goal down off the crossbar, we're all absolutely beaming over it and suggesting it's goal of the season. He's a he's a big talent. And all that debate around the fee um, from pre-season probably dissipates now because you can see what, what this guy is going to become. He's going to become a, a Premier League fulcrum. Um, hopefully for us, he's going to continue to develop and we're kind of seeing it now, aren't we? We're not, I don't think, um, just to separate uh, Brennan and, and Gibbs White, Gibbs White is slightly further ahead in his development that there's, we're not talking about his potential, we're talking about what he's, what he's doing now. And I, I think in, in this system, he can continue to prosper. And I, I hope he stays fit and has a big January because for me, he's the difference maker that takes us from being, uh, you know, a pretty ordinary um, relegation threatened side and a team that carries a real threat against any set of defenders. I thought he was really excellent yesterday. Um, just touching on the Forest goal, I won't talk about Forest midfield in a minute, but in terms of players who delivered on the day, I think assist bully goal Aurier wasn't one we'd have seen coming, but two players who I doubted when they came, but I thought Bolly was 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 really good yesterday. His best performance for Forest by far. And and Aurier, Mikey. Uh, I mean, I can't keep apologising to him. I'm sure he'll have a rick sometime. Touchwood is not the, for a long time. But uh, once again, he was excellent. He fully deserved that goal, didn't he? Yeah, he's been magnificent, hasn't he, since he's joined. We we um, uh, we both know a Tottenham fan who's warned us, should I say, in brackets about Sergio. Still is warning but, us. Yeah, but I, I've not seen it. All I've seen is a real solid, experienced defender who's quick, his positional play is excellent, he gets forward. He seems to be a bit of a leader. He's always talking, always shouting. You could hear him on the pitch yesterday. Um, I've just been really impressed. And Willie Bolly as well. 
I'll be honest, I wasn't too enamoured at that signing, to be honest. Um, but like you said, Matt, I think he had his, his best game yesterday. He's not the quickest. He never has been the quickest. He used to play in a three at Wolves, didn't he? He's now playing in a four. But I think we might have stumbled onto a back four there, fingers crossed. You know, I've been talking about getting McKenna back in the team. But I have to say, Bolly yesterday was brilliant. So for me, he, he keeps his place for the Southampton game, um, which is good because... I think Scott McKenna is will be a very solid Premier League centre back, but at the moment he's struggling to get a place in the team, and and that that bodes well for the team as a whole. So, yeah, for those two signings, they weren't for all the signings we bought in. Those two were not the ones that I was jumping up and down about. But to be honest, they are mainstays of the team at the moment and doing really well. So yeah, I hold my hands up too, Matt. Certainly on Aurier. Wow, he's been great. Especially when you hear about Aurier, he had this reputation of being kind of a, an immature hothead, I think, at Spurs, it's fair to say. And he's come to Forest, and everything you hear about him is the exact opposite of, you know, professional, sets a good tenor, a good tone in the dressing room, and I suppose tempts is their value in that Premier League experience. Even if Aurier and Bolly might not be in the team in three years' time, for what Forest need right now, as you go through the rest of the spine of the team or the rest of the team in general, there isn't a lot of Premier League experience, but these boys are probably the only two that have played a lot at this level. So is there some value there in picking them just for that? I think more so with uh, Aurier. I think Bolly's there for his, his physical attributes rather than his experience, to be honest, because he offers something different to the rest of the pool of centre-halves you have in that respect. Great performance from him yesterday. And, and when all you need him to do is win his heads and tackles, he's, um, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a player, isn't he? I don't think he's the guy that will be um, starting a centre-half at the end of the window. I think that will be addressed either through recruitment or through his fancying having more of a ball play in centre-half um, in there. Aurier, though, yeah, what a player. I mean, he, he's in with the shout for player of the season at this stage. His matchup yesterday against um, Pulisic and Cucurella uh, on paper is one of the biggest challenges he'll come up against in the Premier League. But he just has an awareness if you... If you watch him, he knows when to allow his man to stand that wide in his own, when to when to press, when to sit. Very communicative. Always wants to play quickly. Always gets in position quickly to receive that lofted goal kick from Henderson, which happened two or three times yesterday to to get us out and, and launch attacks. I think he's unselfish as well. He's happy to be there and to to, to feed Brennan Johnson. So Aurier for me is the standout of the two. Bolly surprised me because I thought his debut may well be his, his last game. Um, he had a period out of the side, came back in through necessity, great rearguard action against Crystal Palace, and he's just kept on that form. So it's his shirt to lose. But yeah, Nico Williams is going to have to displace Lodi rather than Aurier if he wants to get back in this side. Agreed, agreed. Um, the clock's ticking, but I just want to touch on the midfield and the game, Mikey. Like you see, you made a good point earlier, I thought, about dominating a game even without the ball, the way... Yates went after everyone. I mean, Zachariah and um, Mount and then Freud they got after Mount as well. And I thought Mangala had a much better game. That's the kind of midfield we need to see, isn't it? In terms of intensity is a word we've used on this before. I think they really bought it yesterday and they need to you know, have that consistently now, don't they? Yeah, that's the standard. That's the standard for me in that second half. Um, I think the way we kind of set up with Mangala, I think <clears throat> play sort of on the left-hand side, up and down, he's a he's a brilliant player. He is a wonderful player. And once he gets up and running properly and has a run of games, I think you'll see what he's all about. Um, Freuler obviously has operated at Champions League level. Um, he's brilliant for Switzerland when you watch them. 
And Ryan Yates is Ryan Yates. We know we know what it is about. So you know he's 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 all action, puts himself there. And I just think that three has a really nice mix. Um, somebody put in the comments earlier around dropping Gibbs White into that three <clears throat> and then playing maybe sort of two wide and one up. I think ideally, I think Cooper would love to do that. And I think we all we all love to see that. But at the moment we're in a bit of a scrap. So I don't think we're going to see that until we start rising up the table, maybe home games against some of the some of the teams we, we think we probably should be beating. Um, but at the moment, those three, I think, are nailed on, which is a really great thing to say, because with Kiate being out for, what is it, two months, three months, maybe, um, he's a big miss. And he's another one, Matt, that I don't think any of us were jumping up about, but he was wonderful just before the break. So <clears throat> that's a big loss. But what I saw yesterday in those three is an energy, enthusiasm, enthusiasm, bit of dynamism, um, lots of running. I've not checked the running stats, but I bet Freud is up there again because he always is. He's always about that sort of 11, 12K mark, um, and that's what we need. So I'd go the same again at Southampton. Those three guys in midfield, they seem to be creating a, a little bit of a, a unity there and an understanding with each other. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased with what I saw yesterday in midfield. And I thought you don't have to have... 70-80% possession to dominate a game, Matt. That's that's the key thing. If your positional plays right, you drop off and you press at the right times and you force the guys into errors, possession's irrelevant. I've always said that. You know, it's the, it's the, it's the score and the flow of the game. So, you know, we're never going to have 60-70% possession in games. And I'm more than happy with it being that way. But I think those three are the way to go in midfield, certainly. Um, there's a comment I'll put up from Richard here, which I think is interesting. I mean, I've often said this, you know, the Henderson comment comparison in a different way. I've said that before. And I agree with that. But uh, Temps Yates in the Premier League. It's interesting. He does seem to enjoy it because I think he recognises he's not the best player in the league. But if he's a niggly player, you know, insert expletive, uh, he can get about these players who might not be used to the approach that he's bringing to the to the party. He's kind of found a niche, hasn't he, in terms of just being an agitator to go with some quality as well. Yeah, he brings a bit of that championship dogfight to the Premier League, doesn't he? And he, he still kind of um, considers himself to be free to go and kick folk until he gets that first yellow card. I thought he wasted it a bit yesterday by rugby tackling someone right in front of the, the referee. Mm. Uh, the referee was very poor yesterday, uh, in, in, in my view. Um, but yeah, Yatesy is all energy. I think his poise is improving now. We've never doubted him. Um, defensively. We've never doubted his work rate and his fitness. He's a true 90-minute footballer. And he is benefiting, I think, from play playing alongside Freuler Mangala, who are, who are comfortable on the ball. But also, he's finding um, quicker passes in his, in his own right. I think if you uh, analysed him last season, he was able to have that extra touch and looked more like a ball playing midfielder because of the, the space that was there in the, in the championship. You're generally playing against a a central midfield three from a central midfield three um, at this at this level, and that means there's a lack of space and you have to move the ball quicker. I think that's that's the bit that's being added to his game now. He's still shining for me um, in this team. He's not just doing the dirty work. He has to. He's had to introduce other other facets. But yeah, there's no um, scenario for me in which Ryan Yates gets dropped anytime soon. Uh, I think he's on four yellow cards, so he might be suspended. I, I need to check this. I think if he picks up a booking in the next game, then he'll get a one-game ban. So I just that's off the top of my head. I think I need to check that. But yeah, that's his only way of getting out of the team at the moment. 
Um, let's look ahead to Southampton then. Obviously, this has been a very positive conversation for 32 minutes. They need to go to Southampton, Mikey, and play a lot better than they have been on the road, even if whether we come on to whether they win the game or not. But they've got to elevate their performance level significantly away from home now, haven't they? And this is a good opportunity against a team that's absolutely dire at the moment. Yeah, they do. It's a big one. You know, I'm not going to lie. I think at the start of the, um, I think if you look, we're, we're only, we're not even, we're not even halfway through the season, are we? But some games have a big feel about him. And, and this is absolutely one of them. They've been really, really struggling. Obviously changed their manager, changed their approach. I looked at their team on paper before we started. Doesn't frighten me at all. So it's a great opportunity for us to go there, assert ourselves, and just be a little bit more positive. The challenge we've got <laughs> is away from home, we're really, really struggling. We can't seem to hit on a way of playing or a formation or personnel which gets us in, which gets us a goal for starters, gets us in the lead or gets us a foothold in the game. And the old um, issue that we've had of one brings two, brings three is still rearing its, its head away from home. So as much as I think, let's go there, we're a better side than them on paper. If we go one nil up, their crowd aren't going to be very happy. Um, let's go there and attack. There's also a school of thought that says we have to stop this rot away from home. Would a point be a bad result? Do we do we try and keep it tight? Do we play tight well on the left? I'm just throwing it out there. Um, and is a draw, even a nil nil or a one one, a bad result? I don't think it is because, like I said, we're still early in the season. But this game does have a huge, huge feel about it. And what a what a what a boost it would be if on the back of a great second half performance against Chelsea and taking that point, if we did go down south, pick up the three points. And then if you look at the runner games we've got after that, they are in brackets winnable games as well. We could find ourselves, positive thinking here, really pushed up that table. So it's one to go with no fear. But I just think I think the first goal is going to be big. You know, if, if we can get that first goal, that sets the tone that shifts the momentum, that changes the atmosphere there. I just don't want to see us go 1-0 down. But but then you can't approach things with fear. You have to go there and say, do you know what? We're better than these. We can go for a win. I actually think it'll be a draw. I think it'll be probably a very poor game. Um, two teams probably not wanting to make that mistake <laughs> to go 1-0 down. Wouldn't surprise me if it's 0-0. <clears throat> but let's say we can go there and, and nick something. Because like I said, if we win there, you're on a roll then, aren't you? If you look at the games coming up, um, positive mood. Let's let's just let's just go and go and give it a go. But um, I'm hopeful, but it's big. It's really big, Matt. What's the game plan for you then, Thames? Because Cooper in the Championship, I think, attacks the game and really goes for it. And there's a temptation to, as Mikey say, go after the goal and really get their crowd turning on them. I mean, you know, they turned on them in Nathan Jones's first home game, so I think they're they're you know they're out for blood. There it doesn't sound a happy camp. But Cooper in the Premier League is a lot more pragmatic uh, on the road, especially. What what would you like to see Forrest do? Southampton have lost their last five Premier League games. I think they snuck past Chef Wednesday in the Cup on penalties. And I think they beat Lincoln in the Cup 2-1. They've got no form whatsoever. So my game plan would be to sit the boys down, have them watch the first 25, 30 minutes of that second half yesterday and say, we're not just going to beat these. We're going to grind them into the ground with no mercy and come away with nothing less than three points and get ourselves out of this bottom three. Because our form of the of, of recent fixtures 
our mindset, the positivity that we have in our position compared to the negativity their fans, their players have for their position is huge. And I think we have to treat this game as our springboard to climbing away from this bottom three and getting some sort of, of cushion um, and teeing up the rest of the games in, in January as well. So for me, I'm hoping and expecting for quite an open attacking game because I think that will suit us far more than them. I think scoring first could create quite a sour atmosphere for the home side. And look at their personnel. Apart from Ward Prowse, who is a good player, good leader, very loyal, class from set pieces. And for me, still a, a pretty underrated player. There's nobody there that I fear. And I think we have every chance of, of coming out of there with a win on the board. Yeah, I mean, for me, the, the game plan is the game plan of yesterday in terms of, you know, I don't mind letting them have the ball and then being very competitive in midfield and just absolutely getting about them. And if you have 30% possession and they do nothing with it, I think, you know, uh, they do nothing with their 70, that's fine. I think the, the way Forest play at home against Chelsea in the big teams is a template for playing away to me. I don't know. I, I, I don't like the kind of passive nature of our away performances that we've seen so much. And like Temp says, this is an opportunity to to set a marker, hopefully. But if they do draw the game, as Mikey says, I don't think it's a disaster. I just want to see them play a certain way and show some signs of picking up points on the road because you're not going to win every home game. So that's how I'd like to see them go about it. What about team selection? There's The big question, I suppose, is about Scarpa, Mikey. He's available after maybe having to miss this game. Do you start him? Do you make any other changes or would you go with the same 11 fitness? Presuming everyone's fit, would you make pick the same team? Uh, before I answer that, we need to get Temps in the dressing room for the uh, <laughs> pre-match talk. None of my, oh, let's take a point. Temps is like, no, we're going to go there. We're going we're gonna to battle murder them. them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, none of my pragmatism. Um, in terms of the uh, in terms of the team, it's uh, it'd be very difficult to change the team that did so well in that second half at Chelsea. So... Um, what I would do is tweak it slightly and have Tylo as, as the central striker, even if that means putting Gibbs White on the right hand side. Um, those three can rotate; it's not a problem. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't mess around with anything at all um, in terms of that starting eleven. I think for Scarpa, I'm not. It's difficult because I don't know much of it. I've seen him and I've watched him play. Um, there seems to be a lot of hope for him, a lot of buzz around him. Seems to genuinely, I think everybody's met him apart from me and Temps, I think. Um, but he seems to be a really nice guy. He's obviously very well respected. He's at that age where he, what was he, 28, 29, season professional, although he's, he's not played in the Premier League before, but was ripping up Brazil by all accounts. Um, I don't think he's one that we chuck in, but he, he could he could make an impact from the bench, maybe even in, in Wednesday's game. And I think that's born of the fact that obviously Lingard is out. Um, We've got a few other injuries as well. If you looked at the bench yesterday, didn't look the strongest in terms of options. So I think there is a place on there for him to make an impact. I'm trying to think of a scenario where he'd he'd come on, maybe if it's level 20 minutes to go, or maybe if we won down to try and change his shape a little bit. But I think I think you said it in a in a previous episode, guys, where you know, drip feeding him in, I think is probably the way. That they'll go so i don't expect him to start many games but i think he might feature so that, that that's a positive and we don't really know what to expect which is exciting in itself really what about you temps for team selection 
Yeah, I wouldn't change anything. I um, I, I, I got hammered in some of the comments last week when I when I said that Dennis was probably marginally ahead of of Scarpa in the in the depth chart at this this point in time. Um, from from what we hear about what's going off at, at the camp, Scarpa's impressing the boys in training, and he'll he'll get his opportunity. But he won't he won't start the game. He'll be introduced from the from from the bench, and then he'll have a chance to to earn a shirt. And look, if if he does have an impact from the bench. He'll force his way into this side. I just, I just can't see him starting in such a, yeah, high, a high pressure game, a, a true six pointer, even at this stage of the season. So I think we'll see a settled side. I think the back four earn the right to keep their shirts. We haven't mentioned Lodi yet, but he was good yesterday. He was, he's another ninety minute footballer. He was still putting it in. Um, even chopping his man, wasn't he, at the at the very end there yesterday, no changes. I don't think we can make a change in centre mid. I just don't see how we could possibly improve that mix. I think Tywell will start off the left and Jono off the right because they like Gibbs White in this false nine position rather than being a, a number of ten and starting in that in that pocket of space. However, yes, what will change is Scarp on the bench. And will there be a scenario in which we find ourselves level? after 60 minutes and think that his spark can be the, the difference. And nobody would be more pleased than, than me um, if he is. With the changes that we made yesterday, I, I, I sense that Dennis is perhaps falling down the pecking order a little bit. Surridge got the minutes uh, ahead of him um, this time around. Uh, we made the, the Nico change for, for energy rather than anything else and played him slightly out of, out of position. So I think Scarpa has a chance, first of all, to force himself past Dennis as that impact sub and then to force his way into the team. And let's hope we have a, a strong showing from him. But for me, it was then the wrong message to make any changes to that 11 that did so well against Chelsea yesterday. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I mean, if Forrest had got tanked yesterday and played poorly, then there's a much bigger case for starting Scarpa. But it doesn't feel like you need to start him in this game. It, it, you know, everyone has earned the right to keep the shirt. And like you chaps say, bringing Scarpa off off the bench of an unknown quantity. 20 minutes ago when teams are tiring there's less for I assume less physicality in the game because that's my big concern about him is it's a different pace the Brazilian league if it's 10 percent slower and he can play 20 minutes and make an impact I think that's the way to go with him and then like Tempson I think Mikey said as well if he's brilliant for 20 minutes and then I'd start him against Blackpool in the FA Cup in the next game for sure and give him that opportunity because that's going to be a proper introduction to English football uh, you know, Blackpool in the FA Cup. So I don't think there's a need to start him in this one personally and, and then see how he goes from the bench. Right. Uh, I think that covers all the bases that we wanted to uh, today. So uh, as usual, any other business, Mikey, anything you want to add? Uh, just maybe just one thing, because I've been... I must know about 20 people that have all been poorly over the Christmas period. Were they at a certain podcast event? Yeah, maybe. (laughs) And I've I've been one of them. Me me and my wife have been really ill. Um, So I'm kind of doing a reverse thing, what we do in January, because obviously a lot of people eat a lot, right, in December, and then they diet and sort of detox in January. I think I'm doing it the way around. So all the weight that I've lost from being ill and a little bit, I'm pretty sure I'm going to put back on. We have got a mountain of food that you order for Christmas that's just kind of sat there. So uh, I'm just saying apologies in advance if um, I'm not on for the next couple of weeks because I'd be too busy eating my way through uh, <laughs> loads and loads of food that we've got <laughs> saved. But that's but that's it. I hope everybody had a good Christmas and New Year anyway. Temps, your, your body is a temple type chap. Do you go overboard <laughs> at Christmas or not? 
I always tell myself I'm not going to that I'm, I'm you know, three weeks off work. I'm going to do a 5k every couple of days and um, yeah, make sure that I, I can out train a bad diet over Christmas rather than Mikey just sat there like Alan Partridge with his Toblerones and his, and his Pringles. But no, I have, a, I have overindulged a little bit over Christmas. Um, I find myself increasingly making a real day out of forest match days. <laughs> um, I, I had lunch with um, Fletch and Paul Anderson yesterday at the cricket ground before the game. Uh, Paul Anderson's a teetotal um, semi-pro footballer still, and yeah, still looking, still looking lean and mean. So I think we can we can learn a bit from um, those that do manage to come out of Christmas unscathed. But yeah, my, my tactic in January will be to get back pounding the pavement um, at, you know, so that I don't have to, to watch what I eat and so I can have four pints when I go out to watch the watch Forest get themselves out of the, the relegation zone between now and the end of the season. So um, yeah, good luck, Mikey. But I think do yourself a little favour. Go and round up those half-empty packets of Pringles. It's all the flavours now that you don't like. It's all the bounties in the celebrations. It's the things that you don't really need. Go and get a big black bag, chuck them all in there, give them to your local food bank or, or chuck them in the bin because I don't want to see you two stone heavy at the end of this transfer window. I'll see what I can do, mate. What, what yeah. about you, Matt? Have you got any uh, New Year's resolutions or anything, Matt? Uh, no, I mean, I ate... I didn't indulge much so do at Christmas, but Temps mentions the bounties there. I ate all the bounties in a celebration box because no one else would. And I think my upbringing was he can't throw anything away. So I just took the bullet and ate about 16 bounties in a day. But uh, no, not too much for uh, for me. Um, I'm trying to be healthier this year. Temps, did you have any other business, by the way? Did you want, I didn't, didn't give you the chance to make any points you wanted to, or are you? Are no, you you've just good? you've just got me thinking about lunch now. To be honest, mate, it's been a little uh, little glance over towards the fridge. So no, everyone's had enough from me. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and um, yeah, thanks for everything this year, fellas. Really enjoyed the podcast, and look forward to uh, the back end of this season. Yes, we'll be back uh, after the Southampton game. Um, back to normal in terms of guests. Gary's on board for that, and then I think it'll be Greg, and then. Um, Temps Mikey and Greg will rotate as normal. So normal service resume there. Last thing I wanted to say, I see negative headlines about the club and the fans, and I think it's disappointing. The Chelsea rent boys chance, people picking up on it. So much good work stuff has been said about Forest fans quite rightly in the last year. And I think there's better things to chance and make the ground a hostile place in 2023. So it's disappointing. I feel this is like a culture wars thing where half the people are going to say I'm a snowflake and all that kind of stuff but i think there's better ways to go about supporting forest than than that so hopefully that doesn't happen again and it'd be nice to see fans making positive headlines for uh you know 100 percent of the time as forest fans have been so brilliant for last year or so especially but in general we know how good they are right uh we'll leave it there as you say uh happy new year uh thanks for everyone who's listened and commented positive and negative a few negative comments um uh, as well about what we're saying but that's fine because obviously uh it's all opinions and people are very welcome to disagree with what we say right uh mikey thank you very much yeah thank you matt and happy new year guys uh temps you've already said thank you and happy new year but i'll let you say uh, goodbye as well thank you very much thank you and happy new year <laughs> and to everyone else and we'll see you after the southampton game where hopefully we're talking about uh, a much improved away performance and result uh, have a good week in the meantime everyone and we shall see you soon <laughs>